0: Welcome to HR Tech Weekly. One step closer with Stacy Harrison, John Sumter. Hi, Stacy. How are you?
1: Good morning, John. I'm I'm doing well. I and we're home. There's not any other place to be right now. So so we're we're calling from our respective areas. I'm in North Carolina this week. You're in California. So and how are you doing as well?
0: Uh, you know, you know, this is it's such an interesting time. I am both. Um optimistic and terrified. That's it's it's yeah. that's a rich blend. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I think it's this,
1: a perfect way to describe it though, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so I everybody I know is optimistic and terrified. And we haven't really seen any, anywhere in the news or in um the the stories people are telling about what's going on. We haven't really seen panic yet but I'm starting to see little bits of panic. I'm starting to talk to people who are super frazzled, um, super angry and not really able to see that it's a consequence of the circumstances and not their kid or their boss or their employees. Um, and and so I I expect to see an increase in weird angry behavior shortly yeah
1: it's um uh, having been someone who's recently gone through grief in the last few years myself um, and also having been in during the downturn in 2007 having lost um, my job back then um, knowing the similarities of it a lot of what people are going through I think is a grief for what was or what was what their expectation was going to be for this year and for going forward, right? So, so we're going to, we're going to hit a lot of grief for people that we're going to lose. We're going to hit a lot of grief for job losses, but I think right now what people are going through is, is grief for what, what we thought the future was going to hold, right? Or what we thought our future is going to hold. And so it, and that creates a lot of uh, tension and uh, frustration. And as you said, anger, um, and it shows up in different ways for different people. So it's, but, but it's not unusual. I think that's the most important thing for people to hear right now is that um, we're all trying to stay as chipper and positive as, positive as possible. And you see wonderful posts on Facebook and good things people are doing for each other. But it's not unusual to not feel good. You should sort of be okay with that and know that that's a, that's a, a state that a lot of people are in right now, right?
0: Yep. Yep. Um, I think, I think there are, there's a couple of things there.
1: Thing, thing
0: one is it's really good to take a hard look at your expectations because at times like this, when your expectations get interrupted, that's, that can be confusing. Um, and the hope that tomorrow uh, will be uh, better leveled out or clearer what's really going to happen is it's going to keep feeling like you don't know what's going on because we're dealing with an exponential problem right and so so it's always going to feel like your expectations have been dashed if you have uh, well defined expectations Right, and part of what we're discovering right now is how much we assumed was true, um, that maybe is just uh, an accident of timing, and so, so it's a, um, it's a really kind of delightful time to to figure out how to live in the moment and not expect anything tomorrow. There are there are good yeah. spiritual um, uh, teachers who say. Um, if you wake up in the morning and you've got a roof over your head, your family is healthy and you have enough to eat for the day, that's as good as it gets. Um, and, it it and, and it's easy to forget that in, in a decade of really good times.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's easy. I think your comment is right on is that it's, it's also easy to forget that, um, that this, this is As much as this will be an exponential change and we are going to see probably more sort of chaos happening, it is still a moment in time, right? I, I think that, that's the other part that I I've been talking to a lot of, of people about, which is, you know, setting aside what you thought the future would hold, that doesn't mean you shouldn't start, you know, you shouldn't be planning, you shouldn't be thinking a bit about what it looks like on the other side of this, right? Because being prepared for what it looks like on the other side of this is just as important. As being able to manage your emotions and your, um, you know, your own personal sort of outlook through it, right? And I think those two things go hand in hand in helping you cope with a lot of this, right? Yeah. Well,
0: uh, uh, a guy, I don't think you. I've introduced you to Michael Canisto, but Michael and I are hard at work on a set of scenarios and recommendations. That ask the question, "What's it going to be like on the other side?" You know, and 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 um, it it doesn't look like it gets rosier um, at all. Um, we're, we're in California, we're expecting the peak caseload to be in mid to late May, um, and, and by that time, there'll be several million cases in New York State, um, and Um, there must be a place out there where the new normal starts to emerge, where you start to have clear understanding of who's got immunity and who doesn't have immunity, if immunity is possible. And, and, and you have to start to do things like, you know, succession planning is a much maligned uh, function that's often just the way that the executive team defines the boundaries of the good old boys club. Um, In in the future, when it's likely over the course of the next year, that 15 to 20% of your workforce is going to require some ICU time. So out for 90 days. And, two to 3% of your workforce is going to die unexpectedly, Um, that you have to think about where are the real skills in the organization, right? A lot of this stuff about workforce planning that was theoretical uh, now becomes critical because you need to know, uh, you know, if you and I were in a company and, and you were, um, the person in payroll who knows how to do the whole payroll thing, say we, we just had a, um, um, uh, a merger or an acquisition, and so you're juggling all these different nuances inside of the payroll system, and you're the only person who knows how to do it. We need to figure out that you're the only person who knows how to do it, and we need to figure out how to trade somebody who could replace you if you get sick. Yeah. And, and that, and that's the new succession planning. You may be able to lose the entire management team, but if you lose the person who knows how to run payroll, the whole workforce goes down. Um, and, and, and it's a new, it's a new view of what's important in the, in the AIDS crisis in, in Southern Africa. Um, when the 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 annual death rate from the virus was in the teens um, um, they would have two layers of succession planning for truck drivers because it turns out that you can have all the executives you want if the trucks aren't moving <laughs> there's no revenue happening in any business that has any sort of deliverable good um, um and and so so who's essential may mean something different than it did when you made the layoff list.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's, well, that's, I, that's my soapbox for the day.
1: Well, I, I think it's a, it's a good soapbox. I mean, I think it, you know, a lot of the conversations yeah. that are happening right now are definitely triage based conversations because they have to be right. I've, I've been part of multiple roundtables tables recently. Um, some great works being done by the, HR, outsourcing or HR open source uh, consortium by uh, Kate Bishop and, and her team um, by those who are on the front lines trying to help companies make difficult decisions about furloughs and family medical leave act and, and those type of things. But um, you have to spend a little bit of time thinking about um, what happens in the, in the best case scenario, what happens in the worst case scenario or you or or you will not be prepared right for for what's coming and that's I think that's that's the job of any management level in an organization is to have those tough conversations and have those difficult um, strategy uh, conversations but I think the the thing that I'm starting to see and, and we've got some interest you know we there is stuff still happening on the front both of investments and and um, people are being hired, and organizations are putting out um, some great tools and techniques for for people to, to leverage during um, the crisis time. But what I'm what I'm encouraged in seeing is that um, there are some organizations that have thought about this and have figured out what how much can we lose now to ensure we have the right talent in the future, right? Um, sort of a, right. a, a opposed to a cost and analysis benefit. Well, there's other organizations that took sort of the very quick, I think, and and, and fast route of saying we're just we're just going to cut all all costs now. You know, we're hemorrhaging. We're going to make sure it we don't hemorrhage anymore. And I think those two different kind of approaches to handling this crisis will show it. You know, who's going to be able to sort of sustain this through the long term, right? Um, and there's and some there's some very different opinions. A lot of those organizations we're hearing are now. Who, who sort of made some very short-term decisions, those senior leaders are also calling that for, you know, the, in, in the market to get back to work, even if it might cost lives. Um, that, that's kind of a horrific thing to hear, but that's the kind of language you are hearing in some cases. Without long-term planning, that's the kind of thing that, you know, starts to become an option, which is, is, is part of the, the conversation that we as HR professionals have to have. How do we not have to have that kind of an option? Right.
0: Well, there's there's a complicating factor, and that is the um, um, new, the first layer of legislation to help with the virus um, um, grants uh, 10 days of sick leave to every employee, um, and if you have children, you're entitled to um, 10 weeks of uh, $200 a day for childcare support. Uh, now, that's great. If you are, this is where the world separates into companies that do accrual accounting and companies that do cash accounting. And most small businesses are cash accounting. Um, and if you're a cash accounting firm, you probably don't have a reserve of $15,000 just because the government says you should right and so so what you're seeing i think right now are some short term decisions because on the 1st of april everybody who works for you requires that you have a $15,000 cash reserve for them um and that's that's quite a lot of money <laughs> that's 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 that's, of, yeah. that's that's a huge amount of money and so that's driving the layoffs right now from my point of view Um, because if, if you get them laid off this week, then you don't have to, you can, you can spend that money or what money you have taking care of your employees, but you're not committed to holding, um, some long-term reserve and that reserve, because it's an employment related thing, it's not dischargeable in bankruptcy. Uh, Um, and so. So businesses are smart not to accrue additional stuff like that, um, um, and so so yes, short term um, decision making is a bad idea. But uh, if you've got the boat and it's full of water, you need to start bailing. <laughs> and and where where you're headed with the boat could wait till after you're done mailing.
1: Well, and I think that's the that's the challenge every company is facing right now, right? So that and and the ground is shifting under their feet too. If you know that regulation is being put in place, so if they made early decisions that might be counterintuitive to how that works, right? That could have an impact on them. If they, um, I know one of the things I think I think that same act also has, like, there's differences between whether you have 500 employees or more or less, right? So if you have less than 500 employees, there's some more things that you could get, including loans and things, versus if you have over 500 employees. And that's the kind of stuff that if you're right on the edge of those type of things, again, you might make some decisions that would be to sort of make sure you're in the right bucket or place you need to be to get the kind of um, support or tools you need from the government, right?
0: Yep. Yep, and, and so so we're not in the world that's not chain retail or chain restaurants, but of the small businesses that dot every main street in America. This isn't the theory. This isn't the theoretical yeah. question. Um, and and those operations are unlikely to have cash reserves set aside. A month without revenue means they're done, and so. So throwing in the towel early means you don't lose your house. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: you you might lose your business, but you may be able to keep your house. Um, and, and that's the level of decision that people who've been through these things before are wrestling with, right? Because um, the question of whether or not there's going to be a market um, when – um and when that market is going to open up for a small business on Main Street, say. Um it's a it's a very long bet to, to take a loan off. Yeah. It's
1: a very I long there's bet. Also a, you think know, a lot of a lot of this sort of conversation that we we're having even now and in, in, in the in the market as a whole, sort of this idea of, of the small company versus the large company, right? You know, there there are very different and we're seeing sort of large companies take a lot of the same reactionary measures as the small companies. And it might be because financially they're in the same boat. I, I get that completely. But on the other hand, I also think there there is, particularly if you're a larger company who has, has you know, sort of um, some runway, this strategy conversation that we talked about earlier should have been in place, right? So this is the, the conversation about, you know, Uh, who's ready and who's not, you know, the small companies, those under 500, those, you know, are main street shops. Without a doubt, they're in a very different predicament than the larger companies who have, um, you know, for example, my son works for a um, movie theater. And granted, the movie theater is very large. They have a lot of resources. But also people not being in seats, they're still paying for those movies, even if people don't come and see them, Right. Um, and the rents for all of that. But knowing that there are major catastrophes all around the world, is there some level of um, strategy around those type of organizations prior to sort of heading into these kind of events? And that's, I don't know the answer to that. I think that's some of the conversation that we're starting to hear and, and come out in some of these larger organizations, right? Yep. yep.
0: So what's in the news?
1: So the news is actually, like I said, there is still some interesting stuff going on, even though we are all in um, crisis mode. Um, Ceridian, as this little uh, touch of brightness here, uh, named a new Chief Human Research Officer, Susan, uh, I'm going to say her name incorrectly, Tahoma, I think, or Tayoma. Um, She is now, um, uh, she comes from uh Vice Media, where she was the chief human resource officer there since 2017 Prior to that, she was at the National Basketball Association in New York and in Hong Kong um, and has also worked for Disney and Starbucks in Asia. I'm I was quite impressed seeing this from Ceridian. Um so I think that's a little exciting to have a conversation about who is being hired, you know, and and what our organizations seeing will be the needs down the road. Um, we do have some updates on the, the $2 trillion emergency relief package benefit that we can probably talk a little bit about. Uh, Walmart offering rent relief for in-store partners. That's maybe not so much HR specific, but that's the kind of thing we're hearing to help organizations get through some of this, these um, uh, challenging times. Um, there is still some money being um, invested in, in the HR technology space. We saw two large investments in the last two weeks, Expressive, um, raised $30 million in Series B uh, funding for their leadership AI, or um, for, it's basically an enterprise service management tool. Um, and then we also saw another AI tool get some funding. The AI recruiting tool called Maya announced $18 million in Series B funding. So definitely some interesting funding stuff. Um, ADP, they didn't make a press announcement about this. We did see, you know, work they did. But um when they were doing similar things, but this was came out in the notes from the financial analyst that ADP is giving employees hardship payments. Um, so we know some of our large providers are investing here. And there's a lot of organizations that we've been talking to who are giving free access to programs and tools. Um, CNOM um, uh, uh, is doing that with some of their um, talent experience management platform, We're seeing SHL, which is a company from Corporate Executive Board, giving free access to their AI-powered virtual solutions. digital a on, you know, other lists, and some we mentioned last week. Uh, Maybe the last conversation, you know, we might want to start here is that New York State is seeking tech talent for its COVID-19 technology SWAT team. But in that, they're basically asking for companies to, if they've got whole teams of product developers, software development, engineering, hardware deployment, and end-user support teams, data scientists. They want whole teams who are used to working together to come help them with their COVID, focusing on managing this in New York City from a technology perspective. So still a lot of stuff going on, even with all of the um, triage and crisis work that I think that the market's doing from a HR technology perspective as well as HR. So, what do you, I mean, is there a place you want to maybe start, John, from a conversation perspective? Well, well
0: let's, let's just draw. The, there's one other piece that you didn't mention, which is the, the founder of uh, Paychecks um, um, is taking so, – so you've got ADP and Workday and, and all of the companies who are doing interesting things to <clears throat> support people in this confusing time. And then you've got the the founder of Paychex who says, "Send them back to work. Losing a few people uh, isn't as bad as having a recession." <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like, uh, that that might be that might be you you know. So so if you run a payroll company or if you founded a payroll company, the most important thing to you is that people are working. Um, yeah. Saying so at a time like this is. Um, not what everybody else is doing. And so, so he certainly stands out, but my guess is that people will remember a very long time that this was Paychex's position. Um, yeah,
1: Tom uh, Golisano is the founder and chairman still. So it's not even like he's that separated from Paychex. Um, and um, they opened the story and, you know, um, the article on this that, that was that was run in bloomberg basically saying the billionaire tom golisano was smoking a padron cigar on his patio in florida on tuesday afternoon then they go into his comment that the damages of keeping the economy closed as it could be worse as it is could be worse than losing a few more people that and yeah, and but- we talked a little bit about that earlier right it's it, it's hard to even imagine someone saying that. Um, we get the sentiment. We understand that there is, that more, um, that that economic challenges could actually cost more lives in some ways, maybe down the road. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that's at least where he was talking about. But that is, that's not the position any of us should be taking right now, right? And I think the memory will belong to this.
0: It's pretty crazy, and then you look at new york state i mean this this thing about New York State asking for people to let them use their product development teams that's so awesome that is that's this, like right? that that's that's like oh, these people live in the twenty first century <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you know what we're gonna need to make New York work. Is some quick development of some apps for tracking and contact yeah. management and contact tracing, um, because New York city is going to be next, next week. All we will be talking about is the horror show that we're going to watch, um, between now and, um, and next Thursday as people start shipping their I'm dying from the virus selfies. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and, and there are going to be bodies in the streets. There's going to be all sorts of crazy stuff happening. Um, and in order to get through it, you have to be clear headed and imagine what, what we need to get through it and, um, not have some fanciful padrone, cigar smoking, um, from the, from the, uh, mansion in Florida. Bullshit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and this this thing, this is great. This is great. I love that New York is trying to figure figure out how to acquire uh, focused, creative, technical teams for small responses. It's like being able to volunteer for for the fire brigade when the fires are coming to your house. That's great.
1: Yeah. And and I and it, we should note that it wasn't just the paychecks leader who said this. You know, these there there's leaders from Wells Fargo and from Goldman Sachs or used to run Goldman Sachs and people and other sort of senior executives uh, and uh, billionaires around the world who, who have mentioned these comments. Um, and and the, the most, I think, thing that's frustrating to me is these are the exact people who if they would invest some finances and money could do the same thing we're talking about here in New York, which is use innovation and this opportunity to think about how we rethink the idea of work and how we rethink the idea of how people need to I – mean, I was just talking to someone the other day who's a, who's, who's a hairdresser, right? She's like, hey, I can't, I can't ask people to come to me, but if I make sure that I'm healthy and I make sure that I wash my hands and I make sure that I do all the things I'm supposed to do, it's like I could come in certain situations and cut people's hair at home. It's a way to start thinking differently about my services, right? And I'm like – it's a different way of thinking about it, right? Is there a way of maybe walking people through how to do it on the on the internet? Um, your your job, those type of things. Is there delivery mechanisms? All of those are things that we could be reimagining the world that we live in. Um, and yeah, it's it's a much different dialogue. Do you think? What do you think about all of these technology companies that that are offering in the HR space free? Tools and services and access to their platforms. Do you think that is a helpful thing right now in this in this environment?
0: Um, I certainly think that people who ha- who are focused on helping their existing customers survive and prosper. Um, um, the that's that's interesting. And the people the people who are people who are basically selling demos on the back of um, tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a little bit desperate, right? That's a, that's a, that's a little bit desperate. So so it's it's sort of a case by case thing. My my in basket is full of people uh, with solutions that you should try because there's a virus affecting your workforce. And, and my guess is that, is that the likelihood that people are going to install brand new things is very low. Um, and and so, so I don't think all of it's necessarily very well
1: considered. It's, it's one of those things I, I've been, yeah, I've been having similar conversations with, with, with people around this is that I I think expanding what you offer to family members, to me seems like a really powerful thing. I've heard a lot of organizations expanding telemedicine, expanding learning platforms to family members who are, who have children at home, content for people, family members at home, those kind of things, right? Um, and that seems very, um, very positive in what it can do right um, i I think'm I, I, people say that on this point I think we agree on the fact that new technology new things unless you are you really didn't have any platform for doing virtual conversations or any platform for doing um, virtual interviews and and I think at that point you go out and you go looking right and there should be a a opportunity for people to leverage that in some way easily from your sourcing, but yeah, the pushing and the marketing right now, it does feel very difficult to sort of understand what's the right way to do it. I've had this conversations with multiple vendors right now who are trying to figure out what's the balance between being supportive and being, and and being able to figure out, you know, what's the next time I should actually touch base with someone. Right. And that's a really hard thing to, to have a conversation about. We're having the same conversation about the, the CRC survey, right. You know, at this point in time, what's the right time? We still, the data is going to be valuable when we come out of this on the other side, but what's the right time to, to ask the, the questions and, and where are people at? So I think it's on some level, we all have to give each other a little bit of, of leniency and understanding that people are trying to do their best job in managing these things from a marketing perspective or from an outreach perspective. And I think companies who are doing that have to be very, very cognizant of what the messaging is that they're putting out there. Right. That's
0: right. That's right. Well, it's a very challenging time to be in marketing. You know, we had, we had, eleven years of continuous growth, and that's that's as unprecedented as the number, the numbers over three million for um, unemployment claims this week, and that is like seven or eight times. The highest it's ever been, um, yeah. and, uh, and 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 th- we don't know what to do. Generically, we don't know what to do in a situation like this. And um, the drive for quarterly results is relentless. It doesn't matter if you don't know what you don't know what to do. You have got to do something. <laughs> and so, yeah. so there are there are. Serious mistakes um, that are going to get made, reputation, um, reputation damaging uh, mistakes, well, and um, that will that will be part of how the landscape is reshaped. Yeah, um, I, I, I do want I do want to notice that Maya got funding in the middle of all of this, yeah. uh, and and Maya, Maya is a conversational chatbot kind of thing like AI, but more focused on um, recruiting as I understand it and those sorts of tools the AI tools that we've been talking about for years now um, are going to have an interesting resurgence you know um, Every recruiting department is going to experience a logarithmic explosion in the volume of applications. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's unemployed is sitting at their laptops, sending out job applications, um, and um, you need automation to wade through that. Even if it doesn't work perfectly, and even if it even if it compounds your problem in some ways, you can't hire. Enough humans to process those things. Yeah, you can't, right? And, um, uh, right? and so the workload in recruiting goes up by 10x um, for processing inbound stuff, and the workload for recruiting involved in hiring drops by 90%. <laughs> and so, so, so things like that inside of the inside of the um, uh, uh, recruiting department make a big difference, and then this. This everybody has questions for HR thing right now. Everybody has a thousand questions from HR. What's okay working at home? Um, What can I do? Have you you seen that video of the of the woman who's on the um, conference call? Spanish woman is on the conference call, and her husband walks by in the background, and he's in his underpants. Um,
1: I haven't seen that one. I've seen similar kind of things, right people with uh, this is a horrified you know a challenge with with, with family as well as your are your own personal forgetting that you're on the camera and doing things you would never do in person right <laughs>
0: that, that's that's right that that, that and so, so h r is going to get asked about stuff like that and um, and yeah. that means that that tools that are able to To handle things that are in policy or that are the result of looking up stuff on multiple systems simultaneously, um, um, that stuff is going to have an extraordinary moment here because the only way to handle the increased volume is by starting to have uh, automation involved in it. And so it won't be just working from home, but it'll be working from home and you'll have a digital intermediary between you and the HR department Um, and And, and it'll be great because that'll produce consistent answers to stuff.
1: And, 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 you know, uh, Maya wasn't the only one who's got investment very similar, but more for an internal, you know, organization. Uh, Expressive is a, is an artificial intelligence that focuses more on help desk and internal questions and conversations. So I think, we're going to see this on both sides, externally and internally in HR, that this is going to be a space where we will see investments increase um, because you as a human being might not be able to keep up with the regulation changes. I, you know, we, we were just having this conversation about um, what's changing with the regulations and family medical leave acts and, and what people can and can't do um, from taking leave. Um, it feels like there might be a space for being able to update a system that can answer those questions quicker in some cases than, than getting every human being updated. Those are the kind of things that we're going to have a lot more conversations about later on,
0: right? Yep, yep. And so, and so, what what this says is that is that the market is not dead, but the market is certainly changing, and what the customer does is certainly changing. And uh, that's probably a great place to end because we're gonna we're going to start. As we go through this as we go through this transition, we're going to start looking at what people are doing that's different. Um, yeah, yeah. and And you can imagine that the market and investment in the market will start to align with this with the stuff that people are doing that's different.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's a place for us to definitely have some more conversations as we get going is, is helping people think a little bit more through that. Um, what will the different look like and, and where can you start to put your foot um, and, and even in uncertain grounding, what, what's the places you can take some steps. So that's, that's probably the most positive thing we can end on today, John.
0: Yep. So thanks for doing this, Stacy. Great conversation, Mm -hmm. a difficult time. I hope everybody is staying insulated from the virus to the extent that it's possible for you to do so. Um, Stacey and I are pretty well hunkered down, and and we'll be back here next week with more news of the industry. Thanks for tuning yeah. in. Thanks,
1: everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Everyone stay safe and healthy. Bye.